this is the education show unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration proudly brought to you by zabuza.net and once again it is the education show i love doing the show because we always get such fascinating and interesting guests another one uh, that we're going to be chatting to today is especially interesting and fascinating at least to my mind i'm sure you're going to agree who is he well he is one of the co-founders of uh, be in touch and his name is josh ramsey hello josh hi david thank you so much for having me on the show it's wonderful to be here an absolute pleasure. Now, I like to get to know my guests a little bit more before we dive into what they do and why they do it. So how about we start off with a little bit about who is Josh? Tell me a bit about your journey, because just reading what I've read about you, I'm fascinated. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, it, it is, uh, some say, an interesting story. Definitely my mom keeps reminding me that she thinks that I've, I've, I've been through quite a bit in my short time that I've been here. So I'm 35, which is, you know, not uh, around almost halfway. But um, in that time, I've moved through quite a few different uh, career spaces. I started off studying psychology, philosophy, and then I did a postgrad in coaching, and I was involved in that kind of work. And then from there, I took a sharp step left at about 22 into the entertainment industry, and I spent about seven years traveling the world, modeling, acting, and then eventually ending up as a stuntman uh, working on a pirate show. Um, and it was on that show that uh, I was jumping down about to attack someone with an axe and my stunt coordinator was screaming at me, Josh, where is your energy? I want your energy. And I thought to myself, well, where am I putting my energy? What am I investing in with this life that I've been given? And it was at that point that I decided to, to pursue purpose over profit. And um, during my journey, I had overcome a very poor relationship with digital media that actually turned into a poor relationship with substances as well. And on the back of that story, I reached out to TEDx. I did a, a TED talk about, well, a TEDx talk about um, our personal power and media. And through that, I met my now business partner, uh, Kate Farina, and we started Be In Touch to help families, schools, and children understand how they can use technology in their lives to improve their lives and not to... Uh, destroy or pull apart their lives. So that's in a nutshell how we ended up here. And now Be In Touch is about three years old this year. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, you've just got to tell me, just because of my curiosity, which particular pirate show were you a stuntman on? So there was a show called Black Sails. And oh, I was yes. a particularly smelly, stinky, um, dreadlocked, caked in mud, um, axe-wielding maniac on that show for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that. I used to yeah. love that series. Anyway, so yeah. <laughs> let's get it. You, you said, you know, you, you sort of decided that uh, you were going to uh, follow this purpose over profit, which mm. is becoming more and more of a theme in our world because I speak to, to people on a daily basis and it's, it's becoming this awakening, I think, is happening. Yeah. But um, social media and, and, and things like that, where, what was the, 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 the problem there? Because Surely social media is, as we all get told every single day, it is the answer to all of our problems and the more shares and likes and yeah. little smiley faces you get, the better. Yeah, so my story, and uh, I, I tell the story in, into the school spaces in which we, we work, and one of, one of the key differentiators in, in how we try to add value to schools is that we collect data on the wellness of the children. 
And, and what we found in working with kids, and this is an roundabout way to answer your question directly, uh, what we found with kids is that they don't want to know how to change their relationship with digital media. They want to know why. And the knowing why comes from adults opening their hearts and being very brave and authentic and telling them the warts and all reasons why um, I, for example, am concerned about how um, children these days use media. And so that's what I do. Uh, I was exposed to pornography at age nine, and I continued to use pornography up until I was about 28, 29. And that's a 20-year relationship, and it had a, uh, a large effect on my life. It changed the way that I dealt with my emotions. As you, If you have a background in addiction, you know it's the use of substances to manage uh, emotional states instead of dealing with emotional states. And so it, it all progressed from uh, me being a little lighty at age nine, exposed to pornography, and then from there getting very stuck into gaming. And then when social media arrived, getting really caught up in that and just watching video after video and binging and, and really not dealing with my life at all. And, and I think what made it even more clearly obvious that this was an issue was that I was a bit of a golden boy in school. I was head boy at both my prep and high school, first team rugby captain, most likely to, to succeed, um, you know, all, all, the, all the accolades that, that you could want for a child in school. And yet, two or three years outside of school, even while I was studying my degree at UCT, I was on the cover of the newspaper there, drunk as a skunk, the picture of debauchery. And, and I talked to the children about the need for values. And if you don't have values guiding you, you really, you're only doing things for, for people outside of you. So it's that external motivation factor. And, um, and that's why I think, well, that's one of the reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing is that I'm seeing firsthand, not only from the parents' perspective, but from the teens and, and even younger these days. Unfortunately, about 20% of the children we survey have now seen pornography by age nine. Um, that that these that this media is modeling, and that these youngsters are modeling their behavior on what they see online, and it's uh, it's causing a lot of frustration, anxiety, and depression in their lives. So so that's kind of where my story started, and why I'm so passionate about what I what I do now. Which is totally understandable. One of the things, though, that uh, I've noticed, and, and I'm not nearly as, as focused on, on this particular uh, aspect of social media, but people tend to be battling in terms of, of self-worth and, you know, getting into fits of depression. And if they, you know, if, if somebody, you know, doesn't give them a like on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is that people use these days, this is now affecting people emotionally um, because those dopamine hits are coming from something which is totally external to ourselves. Absolutely. So this is one of the cornerstones of the work that we do is teaching very simple neuro, the neuroscience of the dopamine reward system and how it can prime your brain's neural pathways for addiction. And basically, we, uh, it's a very simple model, and, and it's one that the, the teenagers really relate to, uh, where I say to them, you guys get bored pretty easily. And they go, yeah, yeah, and all the hands go up. And I say, well, did you know that you guys are hardwired to get bored? In fact, your brains have a lower baseline or a lower average level of dopamine than an eight-year-old. And they look at me quizzically, and I say, well, and this is, this is this to drive you out to go and master skills. So you experience discomfort in the form of boredom or frustration, whatever else that you experience as an adolescence, and that drives you out to go and try something 
let's say maybe go and try and learn how to do a kickflip on a on a skateboard and you feel nervous doing it am i going to fall are people going to laugh at me and you use your will to overcome that resistance you try a hundred thousand times and eventually you land this kickflip and then you get a rush of dopamine you get a rush of feeling good that i've overcome and the the byproduct of that reward hormonal reward is the skill development it's your motor sensory control it's your communication and confidence as you retell the story to your friends and thus goes the learning cycle until you're 18 and you have to go get a job or whatever you have to do now what we're seeing is this um, subversion of that cycle where as soon as you get to that that boredom or that discomfort you go to look at your skateboard and then you start thinking what happens if i fall and then you know, subconsciously, because that's the whole other side to it, you reach down, you pat your pocket and there's a phone and then you pull it out and you watch a video of Tony Hawk doing an amazing kickflip or 900 and you get a, a, a reduced dopamine rush from viewing that media, but you've dealt with your discomfort just enough that you don't have to go out and risk anything and learn anything. And there we live our lives from discomfort to our device, to discomfort to, da- to our device and time marches on. And, uh, and that's the sad story of 25-year-olds who are too nervous to hand out their CVs at coffee shops. Some of these guys I've coached, I've been there. So if they're moms and dads out there, if you are delaying the discomfort of your child by distracting them with media, it's going to come back. Uh, and, and they might not be ready to leave the home when, when you might think that they're ready to. So, so it is, it is. It's, a, it's a tragedy. Uh, and at the same time, let, you know, let's keep the balance because technology is amazing. Here we are, two people on other sides of South Africa having this great conversation through technology. And there's going to be a podcast and there's going to be social posts and it's going to reach people. And that's fantastic. And children need to know how to use technology in a positive way. And it can be done. So, so that, that is the dopamine kind of system that we talk about. And as you say, very important to understand. Which I suppose also ties in into the whole concept of, of our, our reptile brain and, and the idea that it wants to keep us in our comfort zone. So as I understand it, if I can get a, a small hit of dopamine by watching a Tony Hawk video and um, I get to keep myself safe, it's going to be even better, which is that I suppose is what uh, causes that vicious cycle. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there is that, that part of us that just wants to, to, to you know, stay in a corner and hoard food um, and turn the lights out so nobody will notice. Um, but as we know, you know, we, we left the brainstem with the reptiles uh, quite a while ago and we're into higher order living. Purpose is a great example of that. You're not going to be getting into your purpose if you're just hoarding cookies in the corner, uh, watching videos of, of, uh, of Tony Hawk. And it will come around to, uh, to you know, to... And that's what I think depression is. You know, it's these states where your body and your life has got to the point. And I've been depressed. I've been medicated um, with 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 depression, and I know what it's like to to feel like everything you do will 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 fail. That you know, you're crying at nine and nine o'clock in the morning. It's um, it's debilitating. And I think what it is calling us to is a deeper purpose, a deeper meaning. And I think that's what we're seeing on a global scale, where people are just no longer willing to pretend anymore. And, and this is, you know, when you were talking about social media and the, the kicks we get from it, what I think is interesting is that I talk to children who have big social media followings. I talk to children that have no social media followings. And what I find in common with both of them is that it's the incongruence. It's the inauthenticity that really eats at them. Yes, we love getting our, our likes and our follows and 
that makes us feel good. But if it's not an authentic representation of ourselves, if our social media, if we can't look at it and honestly in our heart of hearts say, yeah, that's me, my warts, my victories, and people know me, you know, it's just as bad having a massive social media following that you have to pretend for, that you have to put on this face for, um, who don't actually know you at all, that you're still going to feel that isolation. Um, and you see this with the, the social media influences that, that I, you know, we, I, I follow quite a few of the ones that the, the youngsters are kind of into. And you have some of them that they live you know, authentically online and others that are completely inauthentic. And you really can see the difference. So again, it's it's about how we use our media, age you know, age appropriately. Of course, that's a, another big angle on it. Okay, so you then and and we wind our way back now. You you co-founded uh, Be in Touch. So so what is the purpose of Be in Touch then? So Be in Touch, we are family digital activists. Uh, we our tagline is to educate, connect, and protect. So we do work in schools to help schools understand the wellness of their children. And I, I use that term intentionally because it's only our generation that talks about digital wellness. The next generation doesn't know what digital wellness is, doesn't know what digital citizenship is, doesn't know what a digital footprint is. To them, it's just a footprint. It's just wellness. It's just citizenship. Their lives are so integrated with the digital space. So that's one caveat. But so we work to, to educate children about how they can use media um, to improve their lives. Uh, we work with families to educate them on how they can set up their homes so that there are systems, rules, and agreements in place to make sure that children are able to, to use media in a, in, a, in a positive way. And then we connect. So we want to connect uh, institutions, NGOs, brands that are, that, are, that are stepping forward into the digital wellness space. So we work with brands like digital, uh, like Discovery Vita Vitality, and we're currently working with a UK company called Yoti on the Share to Protect campaign. And then our third, our third avenue is protect. So educate, connect, and protect. And protect falls under, you know, very practical things like software that you can have in your home on your devices to protect children from inappropriate spaces online. Uh, whether it's consulting into school policy on on safeguarding and how they can make sure that their children are protected from grooming. And, and online threats. So it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a large mandate, and we like that because it gives us the space to work in, in a lot of different spaces. Um, and our business model has always been that we want to work with big brands so that we don't have to charge schools and parents for our services. Uh, we're almost there, um, but that bar way to entry in a school system on the financial model is, is really something that we've been rallying against, and we look to big brands to support and subsidize our work um, through adding value to their brands and, uh, and, and to make sure that we can get this message out to as many people as possible. Which is one of the, I mean, that makes sense. You know, you, you, if, if you are a, a responsible corporate citizen, you should be involved in projects like yours. But Josh, somebody that's listening now, they might go, whether it be a, a, a teacher, an educator or whatever, they might go, I don't know what you're harping on about because, you know, social media is fine. It keeps the kids out of my hair. So what do we need to look for? So, so let's start off with um, if you're a parent or if you're a teacher, what signs do we need to look for that there may be a problem in terms of social media? So... This is where it comes down to relationship. 
and again, you know, and I talk about when I shared about my story and, and how I connect with the children so that they'll actually be honest in the surveys that we do with them, there has to be a why behind the how. So if, if you are mandating your children and you're disciplining them without any relationship, you're lost. Uh, there's a very powerful statement that, uh, that was, comes out of a book that we recommend parents read uh, called Parenting in the Tech Age. Um, and it goes along these lines. If you don't know what is going on in your child's online life, chances are you don't know what's going on in your child's life at all. And when I say that to parents, you can hear pins drop in the room because it is so impactful because A, it's true, and B, it's hard to admit. So in terms of your children, if you don't have a close relationship with your children, whether they're your, you know, your in-home children or your children in your classroom, if you don't have a relationship with what is this person like, what are their moods up and down like? Because how it's going to show first is that you're going to notice that their behavior is changing. Maybe they're quiet for longer than they would be. Uh, maybe they start, um, you know, obviously on the extreme end of things, if they start hiding their body parts where they may be inflicting self-harm. Um, that's at the extreme end, but unfortunately, it's more common than you think. Um, if they are isolating themselves, if they have an apathy and they don't want to get out and do things that they love doing, you know, this is one of the one of the clearest signs of depression. And I've been there is that things that bring you joy, you no longer want to do. Um, and and so these are the kind of, of flags that you'll need to know. And just imagine, you know, imagine your child went to a party that that you didn't want them to go to with adults, or or they went away with some strange adults. A, you'd never let that happen because you know the risks involved. But B, they come back and all of a sudden they're using language that they haven't used before. And this is particularly useful with, with children between the ages of about six to 10. You know, they go out and they hear a swear word or they hear some word here or there or, or even an action, maybe a dance move, and they imitate. You know, they model. That's how children learn. They model behavior. And we have to understand that media is modeling. So if your child is modeling something that you don't know where it came from, chances are they've got access to some space online and they are viewing content there. If they are, if they have a perspective that you don't understand, if they've got an opinion that they don't understand, that you don't understand. And, and what's important here is then what do you do next? Because it's not, it's not enough to say, okay, you, you use the swear word now, you know, you, you can never watch TV again. And, and, and that's just not going to work because you know, obviously there are, there are valuable things to, to what you can watch on a screen. And so what we propose to parents is that you need to ask the right questions. And um, I'm actually going to grab this uh, Parenting in the Tech Age book because I find it so very useful. It has some wonderful questions that you can ask your children. So instead of, you know, your child com comes into the car or finishes their Zoom meeting with their teacher and you say, how was school? You know, that's a yes, no, fine uh, kind of answer, good, bad, fine. But what we want to be asking them are open-ended questions that they can that they can share their life with. So it might be something like, what's the most interesting thing that's happening in your life right now? Or even what's the craziest thing that your friends are into these days? Uh, you know, it's crazy not being bad, just, just being something to open the conversation. Uh, or can you teach me about social media? You know, anything that that invites your child to share with you. Okay. I'm just, as, as you're talking about this, I, I, I'm going, and, and I think this is maybe where there is a disconnect with uh, parents and, and their youngsters, because, um, for example, for me, the height of my technology that I'm able to understand these days uh, is Facebook. 
somebody talked to me about TikTok the other day, and I had no clue. <laughs> um, yeah. Somebody else sent me an invitation to Clubhouse, and I was like, yep. <laughs> "What? What is that even all about?" So you know, and then a lot of people, and I've spoken. Some of my friends are, are, are parents, and they also, you know, the Facebook kind, and they go, "But what could possibly be bad on Facebook?" But these are things where where children are not necessarily hanging out, and there is this dare I say, a digital divide between um, where our, our children are and where we are. So you've given us some of the signs that, that we need to, 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 look, to look for and uh, be aware of. But as, as parents now, um, obviously, there is a responsibility. But when you talk to the, the youngsters, what do they say to you? I mean, do they admit that there is a challenge with social media or do they go, I don't know what you're harping on at us about, old man? So, unfortunately, I do get the old man, and one of my survey questions is, help me to not be a boomer. What can I do differently? Uh, so, boomers, anyone that's not a Gen Z um, these days. Um, and I think, firstly, we have to understand that there's, a, there's definitely a boiled frog syndrome going on, right? Children have no idea that what they're experiencing is anything different to all the generations before them. And what's crucial for parents to understand is that it is different. The current generation of children are experiencing an adolescence that is unlike any adolescence that's come before. And, and I can't stress this point enough, and I don't want to be dramatic about it, but the fact is, is that the access that they have to technology is changing the way that they're growing up. Currently, even in South Africa, and we've got a lot more statistics for the US um, because they, they just collect statistics in a, in a much um, grander, grander way than we do, but there is an overwhelming um, sense of the, not even sense, the exposure to pornography and the age in which that's happening. You know, it's pretty much at the, at the space now that sharing nude pictures of one another is almost like a way of building intimacy, the way that you would hold hands on the playground. Now, boys and girls are asking for nude pictures of one another. And this is a result of the, the sex that they're seeing in the media, the pornography that's available everywhere. So you, you can ask a child whether they think that things are bad, but you also have to understand that they are boiled frogs. They don't know anything different. They don't know that it's abnormal to stay on your phone until three in the morning. Um, because, and again, these are the survey data that we have. 84% of these children have access to their phones at night. We know that 56% of cyberbullying happens late at night. So parents are sleeping and they are blissfully unaware, or maybe not blissfully because they can see the impact on their child, but their child is sitting there in their room, can't sleep, sitting in a WhatsApp group with 300 people, um, where, and you know what it's like to be a child, if there's a, if there's a weak one and you can gain status by, by putting them down, you know, the, the online cyberbullying is, is, is dire. So yes, there is a responsibility on parents, but it's important for schools and if they're educators and parents to understand the different roles and responsibilities there are. So for parents, you are there to monitor and to manage. And for schools, you're there to educate and guide very different responsibilities and it's and it's something that we need to be clear on because some parents expect schools to be digging in and monitoring and, and helping their children really understand the the day-to-day -day of social media and um, online life and schools are trying to say to parents yeah but you know this is your domain and we have to understand the difference so parents are there to monitor to manage and to discipline and schools will do some disciplining as well but their primary role is to educate and to guide 
And this would be where somebody like yourselves be in touch with would come in because you go and you do do school programs. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about the interventions you offer to schools. And then also you you mentioned a, a project a little earlier on, uh, Share to Protect. I want to get into that as well in just a bit. But let's start off with your interventions. Absolutely. So what we found in schools is that currently um, the services that are available in South Africa are generally um, – you know, a company like ours will come to a school and say, hey, buy our 20 video series. It's going to cost you 50,000 Rand. And then, you know, you can let these children watch these videos and it'll change the way that they use devices. And that's a lot of money for schools that are already cash strapped in, in the current um, environment. So what we've done is that we say, let's start off this relationship by finding out the problems. And that's why the first interaction is me going in and sharing warts and all my story um, with a really interactive uh, uh, presentation and an anonymous question, live question and answer chat uh, interaction with the kids. And I share very openly my challenges, my victories, my uh, thoughts and concerns, and I get into a dialogue with the kids. We build a relationship. Then from there, we go from that, straight from that sharing of about 35 minutes into the computer rooms or take out their devices and they complete this online survey uh, that we do in the room when it's fresh. And they're like, okay, yeah, no, he can share the truth. I can share the truth. So let's, let's share the truth. And then we find out all of these statistics about the school. We then use those statistics and we go back to the children themselves where we go, we dive a little bit deeper into areas of concern and we share the data back to the students. We say, listen, you guys, half of you in this room are being bullied right now. And there's only 15% of you that are doing the bullying. So if you guys that are bullying start talking about it, you're very quickly going to see that most of you are on the receiving end and you can do something about that. Um, yeah, we go then to the school management. We say, here's the statistics in your school. You've got an issue with the grade sevens and pornography. It's obviously somebody has shared an image and now it's cool. If you nip that in the bud, it's going to save you a whole bunch of trouble when these guys are in metric. We recommend that you do this, this or this. Um, we also take the data back to the parents and we say, guys, did you know that only 30% of the parent body is currently installing parental filters on the children's devices? Do you realize that, um, you know, 84% of your children have their devices in their rooms at night and 56% of them are being cyberbullied? If the school just recommended that all phones come out of the bedrooms at night, you would halve the cyberbullying in your school. And that's going to have positive outcomes on learning, on culture. So that's the first step. Let's not get too lost in it. We, we go in, we share warts and all, we collect data. We then go back in and we share back to the students, the parents and the teachers uh, the ways in which we think it could be improved. And then from there, we invite all of the parents into the free webinars that we do, uh, where they can deep dive, little 30 minutes, deep dive into TikTok, deep dive into you know, the settings on an Android phone, all of the kind of how-to things that there's not enough space for in a parent workshop. Uh, we, we talk to the school about you know, their, their network and everything from their network integrity to do they have a school device policy? Um, and if not, we help them write that out. And we consult on, on any particular issues that they, that they have there. Uh, from there, working with the students themselves, we do emotional intelligence workshops. So we use the data that we've collected in the survey as the context for building uh, almost like the coaching skills that, that, that you'll know, active listening, empathy, compassion, uh, reflective listening, curiosity. And we use these skill developments 
to explore the, the, the context of cyberbullying, of uh, pornography in schools, of consent. Uh, and depending age appropriate, you know, that's the kind of work we do with, um, with the older kids from about 12 and up. And then from about eight to 12, we use Minecraft to, to teach them how to, to interact with one another in a, in a gamified kind of fun way. But that's a different conversation as well. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I've seen Minecraft and I've, I've seen people playing it. And also that one was beyond me. I come, I come from the old days and I was. I was a huge gamer. I was addicted. I mean, I could, mm. right up until when I was married, I mean, I could start playing a game on a Friday night um, and go right through right through just yeah. about the whole weekend um, and yeah. not understand why that was affecting my relationships. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there I was having fun in this uh, darkened room and there was all of these wonderful sounds and noises and violence and all sorts of things. Um, never once thinking about uh, the fact that those games are actually designed to keep me involved. So, yeah. Exactly. That so that that's also a nice segue. Um, you know, the one point is that for you and the, the struggle you had to stop or for me and the struggle I had, compare that to now an adolescent brain that doesn't have the, the, the frontal lobe as developed as we would. So, you know, they're playing in a very disadvantaged space against these systemic systems that are systemic influences on, on getting them stuck into their devices. And, and maybe that's a good segue to talk about the Share to Protect campaign because we've spoken on the, the kind of individual responsibility level of A, the users, the, the youngsters themselves, but also parents. However, there is a responsibility on the, the system level of how we interact with devices. And so what we're doing with the Share to Protect campaign is that we are training, we are helping to train an age estimation AI uh, that has been created by a company called Yoti in the UK. And the, the, the impact of having a, a trained AI that can accurately age estimate an image of a face between the ages of five to 13, they're already doing it for 13 plus very successfully, but they're now training the age estimation tool for the ages of five to 13. And what that would mean is that instead of those tick boxes where you say, I am over 18 or put in your date of birth to register for this app or put in your date of birth to go into the teen chat room area of the social media app, there would be an age-gating digital fence, which would be much more efficient at separating different age groups, but also adults and children. So the Share to Protect campaign is a fundraising and social good campaign to collect 50,000 consented photos of head and shoulders photos of children between the ages of five to 13. So how it works uh, is that a school registers at sharetoprotect.yoti.com. Um, they are given, no apologies, we actually changed that. It, it, they, they need to send us an email to register. We then send them a unique link for their school community and they share that link with their parent body. So all the consent lies with the parents. The parents can choose to take part or not. And, and if they do, all they need to do is give consent, uh, put in an email address. They don't have to put in their email address and then submit that photo of their child uh, using the, the camera capture function of the phone. Uh, the only time that they'll be contacted using that email address is to send them a reference number for their child's photo, and they can request that photo to be deleted. And in recognition of the time and energy it takes to do that, for every photo that is submitted, the school will be uh, sponsored 20 Rand. 
So each school can earn up to a maximum of 20,000 rand for uh, motivating its parents' body to be a part of sharing a photo to protect children everywhere. Um, it's all poppy compliant. It's all legally compliant. We're endorsed and partnered with FEDSAS, which is the national one of the national governing bodies for schools, as well as Media Monitoring Africa, who run uh, Web Rangers, which is a big initiative on digital safety. So all the ticks are in the right boxes, and we understand parents are nervous and might not understand. We have a lot of media that explains how this will work. And what it'll mean is that when we pop out of this, in two months, because that's the window that we have left to train, uh, and particularly now in Child Protection Week coming up, is that we will have an age estimation tool that will be able to be integrated into adult content websites, into social media platforms, into games to ensure that children stay in age-appropriate areas and that parents and well, adults and children are not interacting inappropriately online. That sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, this is this is an example of of tech being used for good. Yeah, um, which which I think is brilliant because as you were talking through this, I was just thinking, and it it, it literally never crossed my mind. But I mean, you know, you go onto a website and say, say, please tick this box to say that you are over eighteen. Nobody knows whether you are or not, but the box was ticked. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think so- that's. Absolutely brilliant. And and just going back, you know, with, with this awakening that we were talking about, you know, and I've noticed that I'm not a, a biological parent, but uh, I've, I've noticed that, you know, kids are no longer kids in the traditional sense. You know, mm. when whenever I would used to say to my mom or whatever, I'm bored. Well, go outside, play in the sun, mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. and, and my rules were as long as I got home before it was dark. That was yeah. that was my rules, yeah. and when I went to bed, I was so exhausted that I didn't want to do anything else but sleep. Um, yeah, but exactly. uh, yeah, I know, and I've seen firsthand where uh, these youngsters can can stay up the entire night, um, and they they literally have their phones with them all the time. And most of those chats and, and discussions and things happen um, when we as as parents or as responsible adults are fast asleep. So I think this technology is brilliant. Now. We, we're starting to run out of time, Josh. So let's let's get back to um, you guys and what you do, um, and uh, we can take it from there. So be in touch. Where do where do people find out more about this? Is the the website the best place to go? Yeah. So the website has a bunch of free resources on it, and uh, that's where uh, you can get access to the webinars and access to our shop, where we make recommendations on various solutions that can be you know implemented in the home space, software, hardware. As well as just you know, getting around your child saying, "I need a, I need an alarm clock. That's why I need my phone in my room." We're like, "Well, okay, you can buy a, you can buy an alarm clock online that, that doesn't connect you to five hundred thousand social media accounts." Um, so yes, www.beintouch.org.za. So that's b-e-i-n-t-o-u-c-h.org.za. So playing on the idea that we are in touch with one another, we need to be in touch um, with our devices as we we swipe around in them. Uh, but really, we need to be in touch with ourselves and we need to be in touch with one another. We need to have these relationships. Uh, and that would be a great space. Um, my email address is josh at beintouch.org.za. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, we do a lot of talks in schools. We run parent webinars, as well, well the remote uh, workshops, as well as in-person workshops. And we've uh, we use what we call the digitally resilient child. It's a it's a framework that that gives parents a bit of an eye, a bit of a, a guide on how to discipline their children and how to use technology to motivate uh, positive action. 
but the, the website's probably a good place to start. Of course, we're all on we're on Instagram and we're on uh, Facebook, and we we do make uh, we comment there. And, and if there's anything breaking, that's where we'll go and post uh, post the information. But the website Ooh. is where you can get all the resources for free. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, also, uh, I believe you guys are on uh, zabuza.net as well. So people that uh, are part of the Zabuza community can contact you through that as well. Yes, indeed. So our profile is on there and you are welcome to check out uh, um, us there. And I'm still also getting getting used to the Zabuza platform and, and how it can be used and leveraged. So I look forward to to chatting to people there and understanding how we can use that as a, as a great space for learning as well. Fantastic stuff. And then again, if you want to get involved in this uh, share to protect, do we need to email you or or how does that work? Yeah. So how it works is that we need a staff member from the school to email. Um, The email address is share to protect at yoti.com. So the two is always a two. So it's share to protect at yoti, which is yoti.com. And all the staff member needs to do is put the school name in the subject of the email and then in the body of the email, their name and telephone number. We will contact them. We will make sure that everything that they have everything they need. We've got open sessions to just to discuss all the questions. We've got frequently asked questions. Um, we've got every, all the information that schools will need, but send an email to share to protect at yoti.com school name in the subject, contact details, name and number in the body, and we will get hold of you. Wonderful stuff. Brings it, uh, brings it to a close for this edition of The Education Show. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time out. I think you guys are doing amazing work, um, and, and I think it's, it's something that is vitally important in our schools. So if you are listening to this, uh, get in touch with uh, Josh and the team. It is certainly going to be eye-opening and uh, educational. Josh, once again, thank you and all the best. Thank you so, so much for having me on the show. Look forward to the next time. Have a great day. There we go. Wrapping it up, as I said, Josh Ramsey there from beintouch.org.za. You can get hold of him there. They're doing some fantastic work. Uh, To each and every one of you, take care, look after yourselves, and thank you for listening. That was The Education Show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zibuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A dot net.